All right, so hopefully all the hype um, and what we've been talking about, maybe if you saw our little bumper video on Instagram, we are starting in all of October a relationship series. This is some of my favorite stuff because I love talking about relationships, not because I know everything, but I feel like if there's one prevalent topic that teenagers are asking for direction, wisdom, knowledge on, it's dating in relationships. And so I feel like it's always something exciting that I try to do every year to give us some direction and wisdom as we look at this area of dating. And so I think what's very difficult about this topic, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, what's so tough about this topic is believe it or not, dating's not in the Bible. So I can't go to somewhere I can't go to Psalms, I can't go to Proverbs and say, here's all the rules on dating. Dating has become a new concept that we've kind of implemented into our culture that wasn't around in Bible times. Bible times, it was more courtship or arranged marriages. And so it was this idea that you didn't really get to choose who you were going to be with. You were kind of arranged, as it says. So if I'm going to get ready to get married, my parents would go figure out somebody that I was going to marry, and that's who I would marry. And so dating is a new concept, but we can take parts of Scripture and we can take parts of the Bible and, and relate it to dating based on how God talks about relationships, even outside of like intimate relationships, friendships, and He talks a lot about marriage. And so we can pull different things to get some insight on dating in relationships. And so, that's what you have to know up front, is I'm not going to be able to take you to a certain book and say, here's all the stuff you need to know about dating, because it's a new concept. It's not in the Bible. But I think there's a lot we can learn from the Bible when it comes to relationships. Because believe it or not, we're in a culture right now that's telling us this is the way we should date. What are these ways? They're telling us, you know, advance physically as fast as you can. These are things the culture is talking about. When you get in a relationship, start holding hands, start kissing, maybe start sleeping together, whatever it is. That's what the culture is kind of driving at. Go off your feelings. You're so in love. Keep riding that wave. And so you hear one side kind of being like, okay, this is how dating is. And then the Bible is going, no, 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 that's not, that's not how dating is. And so we're kind of in this, this fork in the road where we go, there's two different sides telling us this is the way we should navigate relationships. So how do we do it? Because one's telling us this way, the other's telling us this way, and so they're both different. Something different in our marriage. Um, it's kind of a dumb thing, but I've... I've I've always had an issue with this, and I've told Shannon this, so it's not something that she doesn't know, even she may have not known I was going to share this, but she doesn't know, um, not know that this is something that annoys me, she does differently. So, and I don't have this problem anymore, and I'll explain here in a second. So, in our old house, we had a normal bathtub shower, okay, so you had the, you had the little thing you had to pull up, the little pin, so then it would go to the shower, and then when you pushed it down, it came through the bath. Now, when I get into the shower, I like to keep it on the bath so that I can feel how warm or cold it is, okay? It seems normal, logical to me. I like this. 
What started happening is I didn't have an issue with it when I wasn't married because nobody else is taking a shower in my shower. Then I get married. And when I start to go into the shower now, it's turned on straight to the shower. And so now when I get in, I'm getting pelted with a bunch of water. And I don't like this because I like to know and adjust the temperature beforehand. And she does it differently. She likes it that way. And I don't like it that way. So we sat down and had a conversation. But how do you bring this up? How do you bring this up in, in, in a marriage? Because there are a lot of things that are very petty, I will say, that annoy me. And so I've got to figure out, how do I bring this up? So I sat down one day. She still laughs at this, I think, because she knew right away. I said, let's just talk about some things that annoy each other in marriage right now. We, we haven't been married that long. I said, I'll start. So I came out the gate and I said, hey, so I, 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 what I don't like is when I get in the shower and it's on the shower, not the bath. That's just something that annoys me. Now your turn. And that was the only thing I really wanted to accomplish, but I wanted to leave it open in case she had something too. But she did things differently. That's just the way she got in the shower and I got in the shower differently. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. I would say it's wrong. My way's right. Now we don't have that problem. We have a stand-up stand shower, so there's no bath, and so it doesn't matter now. Yeah, I stopped doing that she did stop. She did stop after she, we had this conversation. But it was just different in the way we had to deal with, with the shower. And, and there's a lot of times in life that, okay, it's not necessarily a shower when it comes to dating, but there's different ways that we're told to navigate this relationship. The Bible says navigate it this way, and then the culture sometimes kind of goes right up against the Bible, but it's not the same. And so we go, okay, this is how they're saying, and they're both different. How do we deal with dating? And what I hope to do, here's where your five-week overview, if you want to see. This week, we're going to talk about why we date. What is the whole purpose in why we date to begin with? Because there should be a point to why we're dating. Next week, you're going to hear from me and Shannon. Um, Shannon will come up here, and we're going to talk about who we date. Who are people we're looking for when we're dating? And then the last three weeks, one of those three weeks, Shannon will also be up here again. We're going to talk about three different ways on how to date. Each one of them being um, try it before you buy it. And these are all things we're going to unpack. So don't worry. You hear that and you're like, that doesn't sound right. We're unpacking that to not be the right way. Okay? Try it before you buy it. Breaking up is hard to do. Um, and I think it's playing games. So those are three things we're going to look at in how to date um, to end out the series. And so I really hopefully want to navigate relationships in a biblical way so that as we're going out into the world right now, we're able to navigate relationships in a godly way. That I'm not going to have all the answers and you're not going to be able to get every single answer maybe you're looking for for relationships in these next five weeks. But I want to introduce the topic. I want to begin to have conversation to hopefully build a foundation for you as you start to look at relationships. So let's get into what we have today. And that is why we date. And here's the basic answer. We're also going to touch on singleness today because there's no other spot um, that I, I could fit it in, and I feel like we also need to touch on that. So I'm going to try to go quickly so that we can fit all this in, but it might go a tad long today because of these two things. But here's the main idea when it comes to relationships. Why do we date? Here's your answer. We date to marry. We date to marry. You're like, Taylor, that seems obvious. 
yeah, it's not very mind-blowing, but let me unpack it for you a little bit with a story here in Genesis chapter 24. Genesis 24, you want to know what this story is? This is the story of Abraham, and he sends his servant to go find a wife for his son Isaac. And so he's going to send his servant to find a wife, and this is what he says. He says, go to my homeland. This is not what it says up here. He's talking to him, go to my homeland and find somebody from my people that my son can marry. And they lived a far away, uh, far off from where they were because Abraham was called um, to go as God led him. And so he was way off from his homeland. And he says, go back to where my people are, find a wife for my son. And so this servant goes and he goes through this whole situation where he goes to this um, to the hometown and he prays and he says, okay, God, if there's somebody that's supposed to be with my master's son, let them give me something to drink. Okay, so he waits for that and he says, but if they're really meant to be with my master's son, let them also give something for my camels to drink. Okay, so that's kind of where we're thrown in when we get to here, is then he gets there, this happens with somebody, so he goes back home and you'll find out later, because we've talked about this some, this guy named Laban. We talked about him um, in later, or he's a couple of chapters further on in Genesis that we've talked about in different talks. So he might sound familiar to you, but they go back to his house. And this is what the servant says as they sit down to eat dinner. The supper was served, but Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I've told you why I have come. All right, Laban said, tell us your mission. I am Abraham's servant, he explained, and the Lord has blessed my master richly. He has become a great rich man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, and many servants and camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son, and my master has given him everything he owns. Now start to focus in a little bit on this. And my master made me swear that I would not let Isaac marry one of his local Canaanite women. Instead, I was to come to his relatives here in this far-off land, to his father's home. I was told to bring bring back a young woman from her from here to marry his son. Okay, and you might look at that and you go, what does this have anything to do when it comes to dating and why we date? Notice what you see here. Abraham said earlier pretty much this exact thing to his servant. Now his servant is explaining as he's at this dinner table. Abraham, when he sent his servant, didn't say, can you please go find a woman that you can bring back to see if Isaac will get along with? Hey, can you go and get somebody that maybe they can come back and date for a little while, and if it doesn't work out, we'll send them back to the homeland? No, no, no. What he's talking about is when you're looking at a relationship, he says, go find this person to marry my son. Go find somebody to marry my son. There's no dating process here. There's no, okay, let's see if it works out. And I know these are different times, so to speak, and it was kind of this arranged marriage. But the whole purpose and what he was trying to do was find a spouse for his son. And that's what this area of dating has become now for us, is we're taking the time to figure out, is this somebody that I can spend the rest of my life with? And you're going to see as we unpack even next week, what are those qualities that you can look for to marry that person? 
But the whole process of what dating is for is to look for somebody to marriage. And what the culture has gotten all mixed up is that we just need to be in a relationship. We want to take this Genesis chapter 2. Man is not meant to be alone. And we think we just need to have a relationship status. That we always have to be in a relationship. Whether it's somebody we're going to marry or somebody we're just going to fool around with for a while. But the whole purpose of what we're trying to do here is date to find somebody to spend the rest of our lives with. And so many people in this culture are just trying to be in relationship to be in relationship. And Abraham is very clear to his servant, go find somebody for my son to marry. Not to date, not to hang out with for a little bit to get to know, but to marry. And what we need to do when we're looking into relationships, especially some maybe just entering high school, some maybe in the middle of high school, some maybe looking on the other side of high school now and starting to look into college, relationships are a big part of our lives. I mean, statistics seem to show that probably a majority of you sitting in here will probably get married. It's just the reality. And so wouldn't it make sense to us to want to know maybe how to navigate relationships if this is going to be a crucial part of our lives? And I think the first thing you need to understand when you're looking at relationships is the whole reason we have this dating period is so you can look at somebody to marry. And this might hurt for some people if you're in a relationship, but if they're not, marriage material, end it. End the relationship. Not because I want you to just say, well, I, I just don't want to be with him anymore, and so, and Taylor says, so no, 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 no. You're looking at the rest of your life. Just put this in your head for a second. As you're looking for somebody in this dating process, this is going to be somebody that you spend the rest of your life with. You have conversations the rest of your life with who will raise your kids with you the rest of your life. I mean, I see now when, when I have our daughter and we have our other kid on the way that it's like when, when, when we were dating, those were part of the things that I'm looking at when me and Shannon were dating. Yes, I was attracted to her. Yes, I liked her. Yes, I wanted to have conversations with her. We could sit around and talk forever. We still do. It's a problem. We need to go to bed. We're standing up. Or stay, I'm standing up. She's probably sitting down because I, I can't sit. I've told you that. I get up. and But we're talking all the time. We love each other. But there's other aspects that, like, what happens when we start having kids? Is this going to be somebody that, that, that's going to be a good mother? Is this somebody that when we're at the lowest points, we're still going to be able to be together and she's not going to bail? And the same for me. Am I going to be a good father? Am I going to be somebody that's going to support her and, and, and going to encourage her and be alongside her? That's what this time is for. And I think we so often forget. I mean, just imagine if you were back and you were Abraham's son. There was no dating process. You relied on somebody to go find a wife for you, and you accepted it. We've created this time, which I think, in my opinion, is a beneficial time. But you have to use it for what the purpose of it is, and that's to find somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with. Believe it or not, you can still have great friendships and not date somebody. 
We think in our minds, we immediately have to jump into the relationship because I like this person. It doesn't matter. You can get to know this person by just hanging out with them. I wish I would have done things like this because then you can ruin relationships because you jump into something you're not ready for and then it breaks the whole relationship. I mean, that was a lot of what we did at the beginning of our relationship. There were a couple times we, we were on like solo dates, but a lot of times we were around people and we weren't in a relationship. We might have been talking, as they say. That's another new term we use, talking. Okay? We're, we're, what does that even mean? We're not actually talking. We're texting. We're Snapchatting. We're DMing. That's, that's not really talking. But we have this, this, this period when we, we, when we weren't dating that we spent a lot of times. One of my favorite things to do and still is, it's a, it's a lot harder now because Shannon always has allergies, so she can't go outside all the time. But one of my favorite things to do is I just love sitting around the fire. Love having a fire in the backyard, sitting around with a bunch of people, talking, hanging out. And that's what we used to do all the time. That's how I first got to know Shannon. She came with a group of people after VBS here. I think it was the last night of VBS. Came over to my house where I lived over here. I can't remember where I'm at. Over here. And we just hung out. And we had a fire. And I got to have some conversation with her while there was other people around. I'm telling you, those that want to get into a relationship, one of the easiest ways to get to know people is being a group. The pressure then is not on you solely to like have the awkward conversations and get to know. Now, you want to have those, maybe, maybe not, but I think at some point you need to have that one-on-one -on -one time to ask some serious questions. There was a lot of serious stuff we had to ask each other about our past, our stories, because if we were going to get married, we wanted to know the truth about each other. But a group dynamic is so helpful in relationships because you get to know this person, you get to hang out with this person, but then that person can go talk to other people in the friend group, and you can go talk to other people. So it's not 45 minutes where you're sitting there sweating, figuring out the next question you're going to ask them. Dating, we're setting up this, this time where we can get to know somebody so we can marry them. Because then it continues to go on. He says, Laban... And Bethuel replied, the Lord has obviously brought you here, so what can we say? Here is Rebecca, Rebecca, take her and go. Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. There's no pushback here. He's like, if this is what the Lord wants, this is the relationship, then let Rebecca go and let them be married. I mean, that's crazy to me. I think if you're truly in this relationship in a relationship, looking to see if this is marriage material, you're going to be able to work through the relationship during the dating period. You're going to be able to ask conversations. Now, I can tell you whatever I want, you may not listen. I think, and I believe, I do, that if you're going to jump into a relationship and there's somebody that is a very, very passionate Christian following Jesus, and you may not be attracted to them, you can still find a way to be attracted. People sometimes want to base the relationship off of solely their attractiveness. Now, I think you need to have an attraction to them. But I believe you can still find somebody that's super solid 
as a woman or as a guy, and you may not be a total 100% attracted to them, and you could still make the relationship work. They did it all the time. They didn't really have a choice. They were just given somebody. So the core idea when it comes to dating is to marry. That's what you use this process for. Now, I wouldn't go in and probably ask somebody on the first date. Maybe they're, they're past when it comes to sexual purity. That is a bold thing to ask. But you might want to know those things down the line if you're serious. And you might want to know those things and, and, and what they're walking into this relationship with. You might want to know what kind of stuff they've gotten involved in in their past. If they've been a partier, if they've gotten into drugs, if they've got whatever it is, they're a drinker. You might want to know those things. And so use this time as you're dating to ask these questions to say, this is what the end goal is. Keeping this in mind, marriage is the end goal. These are how you should work to phrase your questions, ask your questions, spend your time hanging out. Because once you figure out that they may be going this way, and you may be going this way, that might be your clue that, hey, it's been great, but I think we need to be done. And we'll probably talk some next week, but I'm going to say it now. Guys, when you're looking and you're interested for somebody, I will say the first hand, I did not do this. But I think it should be done. Ask the girl out on a date. And use that word date. Not let's go hang out. Let's come over for a fire. Let's go grab some ice cream. Hey, I like you. I want to see what you're like. I want to hang out with you, get to know you. Would you like to go on a date with me? And I've heard some pastors say this. As long and I would agree with this, as long as they are a good person, and, and maybe they're, they're a Jesus-believing person, don't be afraid to go on a date. It's okay to go on a date with somebody that is a believer, that you may not be totally interested in, maybe just to see what it's like. You're not committing on that first date to be in a lifelong relationship. You're going on a date, you're having conversation, you're seeing what it's like, and if you say, hey, they're just not somebody I'm looking for, then it's okay to be done after that. Hey, they come back, I'd like a second date. I don't know if I want to go on a second date. And we'll go into some of that when, when we talk more, but, but use this time for the purpose of what it is. And that's to marry. We want to look for somebody we're going to marry, and so this dating process is time that I get to know this person and figure out is this who I want to spend the rest of my life with? Here's a quote that I thought was really good that I wanted to share with you when it comes to this. If marriage is buying and dating is shopping, dating without the intention of marriage is shopping with no money. Let me read that again. If marriage is buying and dating is shopping, dating without the intention of marriage is shopping with no money. So many times I'm this way because I like clothes. I want to spend all this money on clothes. I don't have a bunch of money. And so it's like, if I just start going out and buying all these clothes without any money, I'm going to go into debt. 
There's, there's no point to. And so when you're looking at dating, don't go into it losing what the purpose of it is. You're going to be walking around spending more money you don't have. Dating is so crucial. And I want you to be able to use this process in a godly way so that when you get to the end, you can say, this was somebody I handled in dating well, and that's somebody I want to be with the rest of my life. Now, real quickly, I just want to touch on, uh, and then we'll wrap up here, this idea of singleness. Because you might be looking and you go, okay, well, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship right now, and I don't know maybe down the road if I ever want to be in a relationship. Not everybody is called to be single the rest of their life. I know that. But some of you might. And so, but if you're single now, here's some good insight to what you should be doing in your singleness. Because I think when we talk about singleness, we want to like, it almost feels like we're like alienating these people. Well, these are the single people. They have no desire for a relationship. They're going to do their own thing. No, 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 no. We're all going to probably go through a season of singleness. There was a season right before we both got into this relationship that we were single. We were just pursuing Jesus. We were, we were working in our own lives and, and, and digging into some stuff. And so here's some good insight when it comes to singleness. This is in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, the top half is verses 1 through 2, and the bottom half is 32 through 35. Some great verses when it comes to singleness. Now about the questions you asked me in your letter. Yes, it is good to live a celibate life. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. So look at this very beginning, and then the bottom part's really where he goes into some things. It is good to live a celibate life, or a single life. Paul is saying this as he's writing to the church in Corinthians, but he's saying there's so much sexual immorality going around that because of this temptation, some of you, it's better to be in a relationship. It's better to be married. But Paul, obviously, if you know Paul's story, he didn't get married. He was single. He lived a great life. So you can still do that. You can still have a great life for Jesus, a passionate relationship for Jesus, and not be married. And here's why. In everything we do, I want you to be free from concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man can't do that so well. Don't hear what he's saying. He can't do that. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying because he's married, he has a different responsibility. He has to think about his earthly responsibilities, how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be more devoted to the Lord in body and in spirit, while the married woman must be concerned about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for you to benefit you, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So here's what you need to understand in the, in the little bit of singleness that I want to touch on and then wrap it up. When it comes to a single life, what should really be the mindset is this is your opportunity to go all out for Jesus. This isn't a period to say nobody likes me and I, nobody wants to be in a relationship with me. No, 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 no. This is your time as a single person to go all in for Jesus. That means when there's stuff happening maybe at church and you want to be involved in, this is the time for you to do it because you don't have another responsibility that's dividing your attention. Now that we're married and now we have kids, there's other responsibilities I have and so I have to balance everything 
Because I'm not just single when I, like when I used to be and somebody calls me at 9 o'clock at night and let's go somewhere, so let's go. You have this opportunity as a single person to passionately follow Jesus and get involved in different things and be a part of the church and, and the ministries of it and all these different things. But sometimes we don't take this singleness season to really pursue Jesus. We think it's just a time that nobody wants to be with us and so we don't do anything. We're just single, and we keep living life. Paul's saying here that you have the ability to do the Lord's work and to please Him during this single season because you don't have to divide your responsibilities or your attention. Jesus is your first and foremost relationship, even when you get married. But you get to solely focus on that in your singleness because you don't have to worry about how to take care of this other person or how I'm going to go hang out with this person or when we're going to go on a date. But you get to walk with Jesus in this single season. You want to be somebody, uh, and let me tell you both sides, a guy or a girl that say you're a girl and you want to find an attractive guy or guys you want to find an attractive girl, find somebody that is passionately pursuing Jesus. That's attractive. Somebody that's running after Jesus, that even in their single season, they're running this race for Jesus, and as they look over, they see you and say, hey, you want to run this with me? That's something that is extremely incredible about this relationship with Jesus, is that it can be so attractive when people aren't worrying about their relationship status but are worrying about the relationship with Jesus. At the end of the day, and Shannon will say this probably when she speaks too, marriage is not the end goal. It's not like, what? Of life. It's not the end goal of life. This relationship is the most important thing we have with Jesus. And so, even when it comes to dating and you're working towards marriage, Jesus is still the most important. In your singleness, this is the best opportunity you have to run after Jesus with a passionate heart because you don't have all these other responsibilities. Here's your two things. When you're dating, use this time to work towards marriage. In your singleness, use this time to passionately pursue Jesus. And as you're doing that, look and keep your eyes open. There might be somebody that wants to run the race with you. But don't be so concerned with that. Follow Jesus in all of it. So I wrap up with this. Um, as I said, so much of our early relationship. Uh, I finally was at a point when I was 22, 23, when we started dating, that I was just done going from relationship to relationship. When I was going to find somebody, I wanted to take the time for what it was. I wanted to date somebody to marry. And I didn't want it. I didn't want this long extended dating thing. One thing I'll say real quick in this, and then I'll tell the rest of the story. One thing that can be very hard, just so you know, when you date for a long period of time, the harder it gets to stay sexually pure the harder it gets to not cross boundaries because you're now getting intertwined with somebody else in their life, with your hearts, with your emotions. And so the longer this dating process is, the harder it is to stay within the boundaries. So we started to get to know each other. I called her, or I texted her. I never called her. I didn't have her number. 
for the first four months. That's how bad I was. Didn't even have her number. I had her Snapchat. That's how I talked to her. Talked, talked to her through Snapchat. She said, do you want my number? I said, why do I need your number? I can talk to you through Snapchat. So she, finally, we were talking for a few months. I had known about her. This is the first thing. My sister will still take credit for it, my little sister. I came to her one day. I said, hey, I don't know if you know Shannon, um, but I don't know her very well. She seems like a really passionate believer and somebody that I maybe want to get to know, but I think she's in a relationship. She said, no, she's not in a relationship anymore. And so my sister thought it was her goal to set us up. She'll still take credit to this day. I don't think she has any part in this, but she thinks she does. So I finally, I see that she's on my quick ad on Snapchat. She's on the old quick ad. So I'm like, all right. I, I texted my sister. I said, do you think I should do it? Because me and my sister were really close because we were the only two um, really that were still around. And so I said, should I add her? She said, yeah, add her. And so I add her. She adds me back. So it starts this, you know, little friendship, whatever you want to say. We're sending snaps. One of the first snaps I ever sent her was of my dog. You want to appeal to the emotion? Send the cute dog. I mean, come on. So I sent a picture of the dog, and she starts talking. So we talk for a little while. Then I invite her over to have a fire with a bunch of friends, and we did that for a while. But if you don't know our story, we only dated for four months. We only dated for four months. That was it. And I did, I did ask her to be my girlfriend, so that is one thing I did do. I was sick on the couch on a bunch of NyQuil, and I said, do you want to be my girlfriend? It was very romantic. And she said yes. And so, but we started that process. That was about a month after we started hanging out, the end of August. August 28th, I think was the day. August 28th, I asked her. And so from August to December, I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't have a picture of it. I was trying to find it. Um, a week after we started hanging out, I looked for a ring and I found one online. I didn't go buy one. found one online a week after we started dating because I knew that this was somebody after the first initial conversations we had. This is somebody that loved Jesus with her whole heart and I was just coming along for the ride. And that's somebody I want to be with the rest of my life. And so we dated for those four months, and then on December 28th, exactly four months after we started dating, I proposed. And then eight months after that, we got married. So with all within a year from when we started dating, we got married. My brother was the same way. And I say that because I couldn't have done that if I didn't take this dating process seriously. There were a lot of conversations we had, a lot of tough conversations, and a lot of late-night conversations about our stories, our past, but we took that time to say, is this somebody I could be with the rest of my life? So take this opportunity when you're looking at relationships to date somebody for marriage and to use your singleness for the glory of God. 